0: Ready. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Lowdown. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the Global Ambassador of KNEFA, Jason Heaton, to discuss all things about the organisation and his role within it. Jason, welcome to the show. Good
1: morning, and Thanks for having me on. very much uh, delighted to be uh, playing a part in this fantastic podcast series that you've been putting together.
0: Jason, it's my absolute pleasure. Um, I suppose for those listening who might not be aware What exactly is Kanifa?
1: It's the Confederation of Independent Football Associations. Uh, It's been running for around seven, I think we're into the eighth year now. And it represents uh, people above all, uh, their culture and their heritage. Uh, But quite often, uh, peoples of... um, uh, become a sort of dysphoria of the land, uh, de facto nations, uh, nations unrepresented by FIFA. And, um, um, you know, people coming out, of, sometimes you know you've got people coming out of civil wars and uh, just putting themselves in a situation where they want to represent themselves on a on an international stage.
0: And if you had to say, if there was one overarching goal, or mission of the organisation, Jason. What would that be? To represent people. And of course, in your previous role, General Secretary of Kinefa, I yeah. know you've since yeah. left that position now, Jason, for the role yes. of Global Ambassador. Could you talk us yeah. through that process and the new incumbent? How? What? Well,
1: how I became General Secretary? How? Yeah. How I passed it? Yeah. Uh, the the Actually, about a year ago, um, the organization went through a transitional period, uh, been going for about six or seven years. Uh, there was a few people sort of ready to move on in their own careers, uh, one of them being the general secretary. I've been heavily involved in the organization since uh, 2017. I was a, a main organizer for what was to become the uh, 2018 World Cup in London. Uh, that's how I predominantly got involved, and uh, throughout that process, I became global business director, and and helped develop a, a member, which is Colonel FA, uh, an international football team for Cornwall, and as. We came into uh, 2020. Like I say, it's a transitional time. People moving on, and the position for general secretary came available. And I, and I just thought, well, actually, the the North, the World Cup that was going to be hosted in North Macedonia, had uh, been postponed, and um, the energy that had been generated through getting Kurnu FA FA, um, Qualified for that World Cup, and you know we qualified first in Europe. Was a, there was a, there was, a, there was just an immense momentum there, and an energy carried over. And I just kind of utilised that energy and put myself forward for the role of General Secretary. I got in touch with Per as the president, and, um, because you got to work closer with the president, and he said he'd be absolutely delighted to have me come on board. Uh, And then, um, so I put myself in there and then you have to get elected. You have to get voted in by the Global Executive Committee, which consists uh, of around 12 to 16 members at any one point from all over the world. And they sort of took a um, almost like a standing vote at an executive committee meeting, which is always quite nervy times because you sat in the room and people have to vote on you. And got voted in. um, But it was from that point uh, sort of came in and really helped to restructure things and help to get uh, the organization through a transitional period onto that next level of being an international sort of humanitarian organization. Yeah. That's absolutely fantastic, Jason. But even yeah. touching
0: back on yourself, aside from Hanifa, <laughs> where did this love for football begin? Would you say growing up you were just your average kid scoring goals at Wembley in the back garden? Or did yes. you firmly believe, <laughs> or did you firmly believe, strange thing to say, albeit at a younger age, that you wanted to have a higher purpose when it came to football, using it perhaps as a tool for something oh, better? Well,
1: oh, that is, it's both. It's both. I grew up um, uh, where um, it it's it tough. It tough times, mate. it was tough times, economically, socially, um, you know, there wasn't, um, if you like, much money around. The, the, um, where I grew up in West Yorkshire, in Pontefract in West Yorkshire, there's a, a strong sort of mining community, and in the early 80s there was a lot of trouble around that, and um, we got caught up in all that. So, you know, sort of, you found yourself sort of cast aside and at the back end of a, of a, of a social, social spectrum, if you like. But we're just cast at the back. It gives you a lot of time to think. And there's a, there's a lot of love in these places, but there's not a lot else. So you have a lot, so you have a lot of time to work things out. So I used to, we, you used to play in the street. You used to play football in the street. There was a playing field across the road, and you used to, like the, the estate where we grew up, you used to play like, the, um, like the, the, the street on the other side of that field, which was you used to call it like the posh street, you know, and you'd all meet on the field, and it'd be like 30 a side, and you'd just play football all day, and then you'd just go home and have your tea, and you know, and, and stuff like that. I used to practice, like playing, uh, like you say, playing <laughs> thinking you're playing at Wembley in your garden, I used to, you know, you just play Wally just off the side of your house, probably much uh, to the uh, annoyance of my mother and father, um, just for days on end. But I was actually, it was quite, it was actually quite confusing because I'd, there was no one that played football in my family and it was just sort of one of those street game aspects as far as I was aware. But I was born with an overwhelming sense that I would play it a role in football um, that I can only describe as um, it it felt like I I was going to be massive in football. And that's not to say that I've I've reached those goals, but it was, um, it was quite, uh, it was quite overwhelming at the time But I I had to try and work that out somehow. It was, uh, it was pretty tough. I remember, I actually remember getting the first pair of football boots that my grandad brought round for me, and I didn't even really know what playing in a team was. I didn't have a clue. (laughs) I actually played out in the street in them, (laughs) you know. Uh, So, yeah, you you kind of had all these sort of emotions running through your mind. Um, Confidence levels are never quite high in these situations. And, you know, you sort of get locked into uh, certain paradigms and thinking. And these are hardworking people as well. So, you know, you kind of expected certainly in my household, you were expected to sort of um, go to work, work hard, work things out, which, you know, you were always expected to work things out. I think that was probably the greatest gift I was ever given and the opportunity that, you know, and what was expected of you. So not really getting involved in a team. I think the first... The first youth team ever got involved in it didn't really go very far and it didn't really come to much. But it was it was that football club that charged that they, they did a football trip and they took us from West Yorkshire, and they took us to Old Trafford to watch Manchester, took us to a Manchester United game, to watch Manchester City, and they charged you £3.50 for the privilege. And that was your travel. Um, uh, to get you into the game, <coughs> and they and it must have been 1989, 1990, well, well, we can do the history because Ryan Giggs, everyone was talking about this young lad called Ryan Giggs, um, he's making his debut at 16, and he came on and scored an equalising goal against Manchester City, and um, who was to know where that was to lead to, you know, uh, with what Ryan Giggs actually pulled out of the bag, uh, so that was uh, I suppose my first sort of major, major sort of football memory. But other than that, it, it didn't really go anywhere. It just went nowhere. But the, the overwhelming sense that I, I had a part to play in football at some level um, sort of stuck with me. And by the time I got to 1920, by this point, you know, I've got apprenticeships and. I was working, I don't know, a bricklaying apprenticeship in construction, but it just never left me. It absolutely never left me. It was actually becoming detrimental to my own health that I wasn't either accepting this sort of purpose or I wasn't really dealing with it. And um, and I just made a decision when I was about 19, 20, that I really needed to start working on it. I, I looked at football. And there used to be lots of questions around, certain, like, well, why could England, why was England rubbish at penalties? That was a big question back when I was growing up. And, you know, England used to lose on penalties, it seemed a lot. And I used to think, well, why are we rubbish at penalties? Why is it that no one is practicing penalties? That's the only thing that was in my mind, you know. Uh, so I thought, what I'll do, it seemed to me that no one was working around the outside of football. It just seemed you either played football. Or you talked about football, but no one seemed to work on the outsides and, and, and work things out. So I thought, I'll do that. I, thought, I actually made the decision, I'll, I'll take 20 years to really work on the outside of all of that. And somehow that'll come into play. And pretty much 20 years to that day, I joined ConEfa after grassroots coaching and freestyle football and stuff, you know. But yeah, that's when
0: it really came into itself. Pretty incredible so journey I though.
1: Say
0: that, so that again, sorry. It's a pretty incredible journey, really, when you speak about it um having this greater purpose within you to work inside of football, be it at a younger age playing. Yeah. As you approach your late teens, then that moves into a coaching capacity, administrative and just in terms of kind of the whole holistic package, you know, you speak about figuring things out, it's more or less mindset, having that abundance mindset, knowing that you're made for something greater and trying to work your way through it by experimenting largely.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that, actually. I would absolutely agree with that. Those things, there's there's just so much you don't, there's so much you don't know that you don't know. And, and you just have to start, you've got to start, and you've got to, uh, I think, just faith in uh, that there is something there, and, um, yeah, you just got to see it through. I mean, really, it was, I was surrounded by a lot of Leeds United fans, really passionate Leeds United fans, and, um, and that's really where it sort of started, you know, I thought, let's work on why people are so passionate, what what drives them to, to follow a team across Europe and why they're so revered as a, as a fan base and and why is it then when you should realise that these people are not just on your doorstep but there's a fan base that spreads all over the world. And You know, it's the same for, for major clubs, it's the same for countries and it's the same for, you know, everything I see now, I, I get people emailing me for, you know, badges for obscure teams that, you, you know, you, you sometimes wonder if people even realise that they're there. So, yeah, that was, um, that, that was like a, the, the sort of real start of that journey, I would say. But, but yeah, it's the working things out. I, I, I seem to have that kind of drive and brain. You know, I just, I just don't want to waste the, the, the sort of the way that we can work. Um just don't want to waste that, if that makes sense. You know. Oh, totally it does. You just gotta be able to utilize yourself and put yourself forward. It takes a lot of doing. <laughs> lot it of takes a lot of doing when there's no one there to show you. You know. Yeah. But in a way it's you, to, it's you have to show yourself, coming, I think, don't you? Of course. But in a way, it's like paving
0: a new road, new path, so to speak, which yeah. obviously Kanifa since its inception seven, eight years yeah. ago, has exactly done that. Have you found from your own experience within the organization to date and even looking from the outside in that there are people who have had similar journeys to your as to yourself in terms of working things out? Of course, you know that's not a question to be taken lightly, given no. you have people from Eastern Europe, the likes of Crimea, Donetsk, people from marginalized communities coming out of the civil war. Oh, yeah. And you know of course getting involved in an organization such as Kanifa is for more larger purpose would yeah. you say if there was one thing which would unify all the members of Kanifa by what would that one thing be oh
1: passion for who are you know it's a fighting spirit um yeah i think that is the underlying factor for anyone that wants to really represent themselves, I think that has to exist um, yeah, I actually think I think that's what I, I think if you, t- if you touch on it I think that's what comes first um, you know, who puts themselves forward who, who are those people that represent themselves first and foremost and starts paving away um, <coughs> it's people of action um, you know uh you know the samurais and warriors of this world that sort of one percent mentality where someone actually decides to step up and say well we need to we need to put ourselves forward and we need we need to be we need to represent either our fight or just what we really love or what we believe in, or what we feel is right and all these sort of little notions but ultimately you, you know, it's people of action, and you know, samurai and warrior. These these words all derive from that one that 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 one understanding. That these you know, samurai just simply means a person of action, and that, that's really that's what it's all about. And I think when you know you're sort of touching on, um, you know, is it you know that uh, are people's stories all similar? I think anyone that is doing anything. That they are, you know, really passionate about and feel like they're driven to do are all a, a similar inclination. I think, you know, but it, it's just that it's just that real drive to to be yourself. Yeah, and and we all we all have a life purpose. We all have a soul purpose or a soul mission, whatever. And some people are just in that right time where they, they feel that it's now time to sort of see that through properly and, and break out. So I think Connitha is actually, in its truest sense, um, a portal for that. You and think as a whole is a, is a completely volunteer organisation. And I don't think you put yourself in for what we we'll go through um, lightly, as none of us do Connor. You know, I mean, you're, you're a man that's pushed himself you know, I look, I look down through your CV and just on the back of your education alone, it's in, it's I find it absolutely phenomenal what you've put yourself through, and then obviously you've taken yourself off to Dubai and now you just become operations manager with one of the greatest club organized organizations in the world. <laughs> you know, so these things don't happen lightly, mate. They really don't. Yeah. But
0: um, you speak about being a man of action, and then certainly you've embodied that at a global level with Kanifa. but also if we were to look at it locally you're on the board of the Curnow FA now, even from the attire you have today you are wearing the Cornwall badge on your suit take us inside exactly what a Curnow FA board meeting looks like given what we spoke about last time
1: Um, (laughs) Um, uh, a public house (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, it's um, it's actually it's just a, it's just a great knock-on effect, um, in a way of Conifer, but also, you know, you know, so sort of, it's a nice middle meeting ground from those that are just pure football people of Cornwall, um, and then pure football people of Conifer. Um, for us, it's it's that perfect blend. So, you know, we're extremely fortunate that I think within Colonel FA there's about 17 people. We don't really call it a board. It's more of a a collective, I would say, you know, because you only attract these people. And we've all got titles, but we all just feel that we're all our own people just as much uh, in any sense. And um, it's completely... Democratic, everyone's opinion really matters. Um, and it's a really fun place to be, actually, really fun place to be. There's people there. that So I co-founded it with a guy called Andrew Bragg, who is a lifetime baller. He's 59 this year. So he's been kicking a ball for, what, nearly 60 years. He's you've played all through his youth, then he managed, then he's coached. And he coached for thirty years, and the, some of the lads in the Kano FA team were in his youth setup. Although the, you know, coming into late thirties now, there's managers out there that have been through his youth setup. So you know, without the likes of Andrew, these things don't exist. But Tom Howe, who's now global business, sorry, global media director for ConEFA, actually helped to start telling the story locally. Before we'd even got started, he was in the World Cup final with me and uh, it was at the semi finals. It's just phenomenal uh, who we've attracted and and what it really means. Geographically, Cornwall is um, extremely difficult. It's got an incredible footballing infrastructure, and Cornwall FA uh, do an excellent job in maintaining that, an excellent new setup. But, you know, so what we provide is what they don't do. you know, in in terms of international. And then we don't get in the way of the domestic stuff. uh, And we kind of work together, you know. So like I say, we've just put put someone in place that uh, Cornwall meets, but that's kind of it really. And it just seems to attracted uh, some very beautiful and passionate people. That means that we've been able to go forward. So, I mean, now we've got, so we started with the men's because that's just what we knew. But now we've got a women's team that's due to have its first trials and open games in about three weeks' time. And we've got an inclusive football team as well. Uh, And once we've sort of started digging into this, the people that have come out, not out of the woodwork, it's just already there. And they're just... They actually now can't believe the opportunity that they'll have to be on the world stage. And I can't believe the opportunity that um, I've got to work with these incredible people. So yes, yeah, it's, it's great. It's really great, but everyone seems to have a good, strong sort of winning mentality. And and, and, and they actually really, they're just naturally like that. So, you know, kind of bless them. You know, you get them to be surrounded by these people. Really, yeah. I yeah. think Darren Gilbert, the manager, I think he's top 15 in, in win rate in all managers in English football, ever. It's phenomenal. It's sure it's I honestly, phenomenal. I, I mean, ever. Uh, and uh, and, and, uh, and that's just as a manager, I think as a player, you would won everything down here. So you've got a really good hardcore footballing fraternity down there that just it's just nice for them to be able to represent themselves, especially as a people, because there's nothing more prouder than a a Cornish person representing its nation, you know. Exactly. Uh, And for me, it's just about being respectful of the land. You know, I've lived down here for nearly 20 years, and it's uh, the the idea of that sort of giving back. uh, You know, at the end of the day, you've been accepted and been allowed to live your life. I think you should pay respect to that.
0: And, and I, I think what rings true, certainly what you said there, is there's that famous quote: "The strength of the organisation is its very own people." And I think Whoa. what you said earlier on, you know, these people weren't exactly coming out of the woodwork; they were already there. It's, so it's just giving them a platform, really. But then, yeah. in terms of what's already there in Europe, you have the likes of Cornwall, you have Yorkshire. Of Crimea, yeah. Greenland, North America, you have Quebec, Cascadia, Oceania, you have Hawaii. I mean, yeah. to the best of your knowledge, perhaps, could you share some light on some of the, I suppose, most heartwarming stories you've heard of these communities?
1: Everyone's got their own story. That's the beauty of Kanifa. We could genuinely sit here all day talking about one team. Uh, heartwarming stories. I think um, I've had. I think like the heartwarming side is when people. You know that they're representing what they're representing, and you know the the fight behind that scene, is 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 quite arduous at times and absolutely diabolical in in terms of humanitarian. Um, uh, how can I phrase this? And by diabolical, I mean that there's a, there's a, there's atrocities that are getting carried out within this within the world that um, shouldn't be happening. And um, you know, and, and when you see that these, some of these people actually get get the ball on the floor, regardless of where they've come from, and uh, and put themselves out there, that that's the sort of heartwarming side, you know, because these people. Uh, as passionate about playing football as they are about as representing people, and uh, and 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 I, and, I, and I think there's nothing greater than seeing people in adversity where, you know, you, you know that they're pushing through and it, um, they're really just taking life on, you know, and I, I really admire that and I really respect that, and that's kind of a, like a driving force for for what for, for everyone that's involved in CONIFA. Um, but, you know, so. That's the heartwarming stuff. Um, it's kind of hard to touch on a, a you know, a kind of heartwarming moment without, uh, I mean, 30, it would be the tournament. Yeah, it's, 30, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough one. You know, I mean, like 2018, Saying we we'll just go back to 2018. You've got a World Cup in London. It's the first time that Conif has ever done an independent World Cup, and we'd all sort of, Pulled together and made this happen, and then you you know you've got teams coming from as far away as, as Tuvalu, you know they've done twenty five thousand kilometers, and um, and then you've got Tibet in there, and you know that Tibet get hounded out all over the world by the Chinese government, and they 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 can't even get friendlies, and. The, well, there was a, a few times during the, the run up to that tournament where we were really quite in a way quite desperate for money because we just didn't quite have enough to, to really put the tournament on and we, we had to be really creative in how we were going to approach it and pull it off and um, you know, there was a few times we were at the table putting ink on paper with regards to sponsorship packages and you know, said companies would say, look, we're, we're more than happy with all of this, but, um, you know, we, 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 it'd be much it'd be easier for us if Tibet don't play. And you're like, what? Well, what are you talking about? Um, you know, and you sort of go through these little motions. Uh, and it's just then a case of, well, Tibet playing. That's it. So then that's did that deal off. So... The, the heartwarming moments is when people actually stick to the guns and, and, and really put themselves out there for what you really say you're doing. And that's what I like about Conifer. And then Tibet get to play. The, you know, you've got heartwarming moments like that. And then Carpetalia, for instance, came in as a, um, uh, not a wildcow, but they came in to, someone couldn't make the tournament, and Carpetalia come in uh, at, at the last minute. And win the tournament, playing some of the, some of the best football I've ever witnessed. You know, it was like it was just like pure Jimmy Hogan style football, and I was just, I was just, I just remember stood there watching it, thinking, oh, "This is incredible." I've been trying to, you know, I've been coaching this sort of mentality and philosophy. It was it was straight. It could have been out of Barcelona's academy, it could have been out of Ajax's academy, it could have been from a Brazil training ground. It was just, honestly, it was it was beautiful to watch and they just had that they just had that pure spirit they were just they were just taking all the chances and they were just sort of swept through the tournament and their player actually the 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 player of the tournament i put him in for player of the tournament and it was their goalkeeper and you should have seen him he wasn't the biggest keeper but Read the game, it was his goal line saves, it was the last minute saves, it was his distribution, it was his contribution to the game. He saved three penalties in a final. Do you know what I mean? It was just phenomenal. So, um, you get heartwarming stories like that, I suppose, mate. You know, um, and and just providing that platform, you know, that Carpatale went back, I think, um, you know, they're going back to sort of Ukraine, um. Uh, And they get in trouble with the authorities, uh, you know, representing the people over the state and these sorts of notions. So, you know, you have the heartwarming side and then Conifer always, you know, you go through the motions with Conifer and you'll achieve one thing and then literally straight in the side comes, comes a massive tackle, studs up everything, you know, and sends people flying. So you've got to be able to cope. With that sort of juggernaut of that sort of geopolitics that comes to the table, um, uh, you know. So that you know, but then people just seem to absorb it and, and deal with it. So heartwarming. There's a lot of heartwarming, but I think the heartwarming comes from that sort of that sort of solid sort of solidarity. If that makes sense, you know, from from knowing what you, your position in the world. Yeah. I think that's, that's sort of the
0: heartwarming side. I think it's just really, as we touched upon earlier on, as regards Kenefa with the mission statement, that certainly like attracts like. And if anything mm. else, Knifa as a platform is just filtered out kind of all the fatty bits that aren't really you know needed in these football administrations. I mean, mm. I think it's absolutely tremendous what you spoke about earlier on saying that these people... They didn't come out of the woodwork. All they needed really was just a platform to kind of coexist along with each other and share ideas right across the world. Even yeah. just being in touch with um, the guys down in Africa, Miriam and Christian recently. They're fantastic yeah. people doing, you know, God's work down there, so to speak. And yeah. then I suppose you speak about also studs of tackles. There is, no, <laughs> there is no worse tackle than, of course, COVID. Last year, with last yeah. summer's uh, men's European Championships in North Macedonia postponed. However, yeah. this summer we do have the Women's World Cup. How are preparations preparing um, for that, Jess?
1: uh Well, unfortunately, preparations were going well and, you know, put everything together. But they decided um, just over the last 48 hours that um, the, the tournament, they're going to put it back till 2022. Um, it's in line with the sort of football clubs that we're working with in Sheffield and, Uh in and around the same area in Romania. They're looking to host, I think, the UEFA Under-19s tournament, which has also been put back till next year. So we're just sort of about to sort of draw a breath on that one. Um, uh, you know, it, was, pretty, it was, a, there was a phenomenal uptake for those wanting to participate. Um, not everyone could, you know. Um, that you know a couple of disgruntled sort of members, but you know that's the passion. Uh, so you know in terms of that sort of preparation now it, um, it just moves back uh, 12 months. I think it gives it more time, I think actually, for the benefit of the women's game for those members, I think it'll be, I think it'll be um, a much bigger tournament now. It was going to be eight teams. It's looking at 12 or 16, such as the growth of the sort of women's team within the members. Uh, so I think uh, just waiting that year out and giving it that time a uh, uh, bit be more beneficial. And I think um, you know coming out of this pandemic uh, restrictions and such like I think let's let it all settle down. Um, everyone get back to the feet. Every, you know all the players are hungry. that's, that, that's never in doubt but I think um, I think people just need time to get back to a little bit of normality and uh and then look forward to a major football tournament next year so you know it's, it's the right decision and you've got you've got to you've got to go with what's um, you know the uh, uh, government all organizations are, are saying and, and be um, be responsible and then going forward
0: jason with canifa yeah what is the plan where do you see the organization
1: in 10 20 years time Well, it'll still, I think it'll still be here. I, I would like to see it. Um, well, there's, there's quite a few things I would like to see, you know, um, development on the continents. So we've worked extraordinarily hard over, over the last few years, but in, certainly over the last year, uh, the development on the continents um, with presidents and committees, um, working closely with government organizations. And making sure that that's that the, the growth that has happened over the last 12 months um, doesn't grow, outgrow itself. So that it, it's, um, it's too thin, uh, that there's strength in depth and that uh, people, you know, the, the, the sort of mentality and, the, and the, the attraction remains as strong as it is now. Um, uh, 20 years you know, Nobel Peace Prize winning Global Humanitarian Organization, um, a solid place in the world. Uh, I I would like to see some stronger partnerships. Um, I would like to see active partnerships. So say, if we're working down um, with Baroziland, with Christian, and we're opening up some sort of facilities and we're looking to provide facilities and such like an opportunity on the ground there. It would be nice if we have been working with a a partnership, say, who are providing, um, let's just say, a a solar power, a company that provides solar power, where we've maybe been able to put um, floodlights in, uh, shower facilities, and maybe hot running water, hot running cold water, for that matter. uh but you know there's a a free energy element to it that means that the communities thrive and and football is integral to that community um i'd like to just see that that sort of growth you know so that the community it's you know it, it can't be about survival all the time you know as as um uh dr bruce lipton says you know let's let's talk thrival let's talk about thriving communities, not just survival. Um, it would be, so it would be nice to sort of keep edging away from that sort of mentality, edging away from a victim mentality. Yeah, you, you can come to the table, you might be a victim in terms of some sort of social economic um, upheaval, but it doesn't mean you have to carry that mentality over. You know, that, that's, that's your choice. You know what we what we want. You know, it's about opportunity. Then, um, so uh, I'd like to just see that that sort of um, that sort of uh, sort of mindset and paradigms and and, and is what's um, what's available to people, and people can pick up on. So that we can just keep we can grow out from that core and really, uh, you know, bring that sort of um, that belief and and uh, you know, faith in yourself. You know, we can't just keep pandering around on on, on whims of hope. So, um, so I think you know, for that and uh, just a greater recognition, a more solid platform. I think at some point, the organisation will have to become professional to a degree. Um, you know, people will have to start getting wages. I feel for the for the time that they put in. It's an extraordinary workload. When you when you uh, um when you've got a representative, a a population representative of 675 million as we speak that is an extraordinary workload it is it's phenomenal the people that operate within the banks of ConIFA, just within the global executive committee and alone i find it staggering what people uh, not not just what people are capable of uh, which I think you know you have to look at every day and you know and it's completely inspired but you know people are doing full-time jobs on top of full-time jobs so it would be nice to see um people getting that sort of recompense and then being able to commit more wholeheartedly to that and um and stuff like that so yeah think those sort of things are nice and then i'd just like to see the growth within the members that exist already um making sure that you know that they can still exist and be representative of of all that's been before and all that they want to achieve and and really sort of look after that cultural identity you know i think that's just hugely important i really do and i think that i think like that. That's what humanity is, I suppose. You know, just making sure that there's access, people have got access to people. Yeah. You know, and we're all, we we're, can we're kind of just communicate.
0: Yeah. Of course. I mean, I think, you know, on a personal note, Jason, it's absolutely tremendous. Not only the work, what you do at Kneefu, mm. but absolutely everybody involved in the organization. Because, yeah. you know, you speak about representing, you know, 675 million people worldwide. <laughs> But yeah. they're all unified in a way by the same voice. And when you have so yeah. many like-minded people from six, seven continents all over the world working towards a single outcome, I think you know great things are bound to happen, be it 10, 16, yeah. 20 years' time. I think the actual success of kniefer looking from the outside in is not actually reaching an end point or an end goal. It's more or less, no. you would agree, in the actual doing. The actual project itself, of the actual yeah. you know existence of the organisation. Yeah, should, yeah should I people, think um, should people wish to engage and learn more about KNIFA and its plans going forward, where is best to look online, Jason?
1: Well, go to the website. There's uh, there's email access from the website. You can go to any social media platform and just um, ask a question. You know, and I, you know, I get emails. I get emails all the time, um, as we all do. Uh, it's very open. You know, it's an open door policy. Uh, we don't turn people away. Yeah, you know, you've got to, you've got to put yourself forward, uh, and you've got to, and you've got to, and you've got to be open to speaking. You know, it's like us engaging now. It's like um, uh, I. I'm not massive on social media. I've actually trimmed off a little bit, and I've actually just gone to using LinkedIn only now. Uh, but I found it as a, a really great portal for those that are looking to do, um, looking to really get on with what they want to get on with, um, and seem to you know I seem to come across a lot of people that are able to find that opportunity to, to extend their understanding through Conifer, which is always nice. Uh, I did. There's things I just didn't know I needed to know um, that I've absolutely found from putting myself forward through the organisation. You know, that and you uh, you come in and you've got a responsibility to yourself. And if you say you're going to do something, you've got to, you, it's up to you to do it. And you'll get the support from everyone around you, and everyone will sort of really commit to, make, you know, helping you make things happen. But, um, You've got to put yourself out there. You'll get back for doing what you want to do, you know. So if that's what's up people's street, and that's where they want to find themselves. Uh, and just simply get in touch. But don't just come in waiting to be told what to do. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, bring something to the table and, and be open and, and you know, and just express yourself. Uh, you know, it might work on this occasion. It might not work. It might just be great to have made an acquaintance and, and follow each other uh, and, and try and find a little place for yourself. But there's, you know, we, we can't just uh, sort of take everybody on and put arms around everyone and stuff like that. One is the, the energy it takes to do that um, uh, is too much. And ultimately, um, you know, it's a, the organisation doesn't drive itself on, on that. So, so you know, if it, if it is that you you feel like you've got something to do in the world, and you feel like you've got to, you got you could do it for us, and just get in touch, no problem, no problem. Um, and that's pretty much how it runs itself. It's quite an organic operation in that sense, you know. And then no one's perfect, and everyone's looking to learn. So I think for that as well, it's it's uh, uh, it's just a good place to be, man. It's a good place to be. There's good harmony. Um.
0: Uh, yeah, and a good level of understanding. Fantastic. Um, I'll be sure yeah. to link both the website and your LinkedIn profile below, Jason. Yeah, that's um, excellent. You know, every time I speak with you, I get a lot of value out of the conversation. Anyways, absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Finally. Um, yeah. Must get you on again in the future. But Jason, pleasure is always speaking with you, Topman.
1: Um, thank you very much indeed, Connor. And um, all the best for this podcast series that you're doing and, and the career that you've forged for yourself because uh, it, it doesn't come easy. It does not come easy. So, massive respect to you for the work that you've carried out and that you're continuing to do. I very much look forward to the rest of the series. And as you know, um, we'll make this a collaborative effort and we'll do our utmost to make sure that the, the reach for the work that you're doing uh, is as far extending as we possibly can. So I wish you all the best. Thank you for the nice words,
0: Jason. Much appreciated. It's
1: a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure, Connor. Have a great day.
0: Thank you.